Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. It's a science factual double feature, folks. The Earth stood still, Flash Gordon's got on his silver underwear, and Dr. X has created this creature of an episode all about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm your host for the evening, Dr. Reese is Pieces, and we'll be joined by guest comedian Sagan Genesis, plus a couple of surprise Transylvanians we stumbled upon as we nerded out about this iconic cult classic. That's an extended interview, so this episode will be longer than usual. Before we behold this creation, I have to issue out a spoiler alert, spoiler alert, off of the tippity top. Rocky Horror Picture Show is something that should be given nothing less than your undivided and over-adulterated attention, should you have yet to consume this cult classic sci-fi horror musical comedy. However, for those of you who have been divergenized, I welcome you to my fantastical castle for an episode where we will do the fact warp again. Oh wait, I mean... Okay, let's dive right on into things. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is a 1975 musical comedy horror film by 20th Century Fox produced by Lou Adler and Michael White and directed by Jim Sharman. The screenplay was written by Sharman and actor Richard O'Brien, who was also a member of the cast. The film is based on the 1973 musical stage production The Rocky Horror Show with music, book, and lyrics by O'Brien. The production is a parody tribute to the science fiction and horror B-movies of the 1930s through the early 1960s. Along with O'Brien, the film stars Tim Curry, Susan Sarandon, and Barry Boswick, and is narrated by Charles Gray, with cast members from the original Royal Court Theatre, Roxy Theatre, and Belasco Theatre Productions, including Nell Campbell and Patricia Quinn. The film was shot in the United Kingdom at Bray Studios and on location at an old country estate named Oakley Court, 
best known for its earlier use by Hammer Film Productions. A number of props and set pieces were reused from the Hammer horror films. Although the film is both a parody of and tribute to many kitsch science fiction and horror films, costume designer Sue Blaine conducted no research for her designs. Blaine has claimed that her creations for the film directly affected the development of punk rock fashion trends such as torn fishnet stockings and colorfully dyed hair. Pretty strong claim. Initial reception was extremely negative, but it soon became a hit as a midnight movie when audiences began participating with the film at the Waverly Theater in New York City in 1976. Audience members returned to the cinemas frequently and talked back to the screen and began dressing as the characters, spawning similar performance groups across the United States. At almost the same time, fans in costumes at the King's Court Theater in Pittsburgh began performing alongside the film as well. This shadow cast mined the actions on screen above and behind them while lip-syncing their characters' lines. Still in limited release in 2022, some 47 years after its premiere, it is the longest-running theatrical release in film history. And to this day, in many major cities, live amateur shadow casts act out the film as it's being shown and heavily draw upon a tradition of audience participation, including at the Clinton Street Theater right here in Portland, Oregon. Check out their awesome lineup of classical horror films throughout the month of October at CSTPDX.com. Amanda and I went to see their version of the live show, but that night got sold out, so instead we'll be going the night before Halloween. Today the film has a large international cult following and has been considered by many as one of the greatest musical films of all time. In 2005, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Let's take a quick look at the cast, because these roles are timeless, and a lot of the names in this list went on to become iconic actors and actresses in their own right. Starting off with Tim Curry, who plays Dr. Frankenfurter, the eccentric Transylvanian transvestite scientist. Uh, we also have Susan Sarandon as Janet Weiss, the heroine and Brad's fiancé. Barry Boswick, who plays Brad Majors, the hero and Janet's fiancé. We then have Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff, the hunchbacked handyman and Magenta's brother. Uh, speaking of whom, we have Magenta, played by Patricia Quinn, who is the maid and Riff Raff's sister. We have Nell Campbell, who's credited as Little Nell, as Columbia, a groupie. We also have Jonathan Adams as Dr. Everett V. Scott, a rival scientist. Peter Hinwood as Rocky Horror, a creation, with Trevor White as the singing and acting voice. Meatloaf, of course, as Eddie, the ex-delivery boy. And Charles Gray as the criminologist, an expert. Okay. Here's a 10,000-foot view synopsis, and I will say that this overview in no way does this amazing movie justice, but I wanted to recap things in case your world has been rose-tinted since your last viewing. Seriously, no synopsis does this head trip of a movie anywhere near what you would call justice, but here's one that I'm going to spoon-feed you anyway. Following the wedding of their friends, a naive young couple, Brad Majors and Janet Weiss, get engaged. The newly engaged pair decide to celebrate with their high school science teacher, Dr. Scott, who taught the class where they first met. En route to Scott's house on a dark and rainy night, they get lost with a flat tire. 
Seeking a telephone to call for help, the couple walks to a nearby castle where a party is going on. They are accepted in by the strangely dressed inhabitants led by the butler Riff Raff, who dances to the Time War. Despite feeling apprehensive, they stay to meet the owner of the castle, a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania named Dr. Frank Inferter. He invites them to stay for the night and witness the birth of his quote-unquote creation. With the help of Riff Raff, Frank brings to life his creation, a tall, muscular, handsome blonde man named Rocky. As Frank vows he can improve Rocky into an ideal man in a week, a delivery boy named Eddie, half of whose brain Frank had used in the creation of Rocky, breaks out of a deep freeze riding on a motorcycle. A jealous Frank kills Eddie with a pickaxe, justifying it as a, quote, mercy killing to Rocky. Rocky and Frank then depart for the bridal suite. Brad and Janet are shown to separate bedrooms, where each is visited and, um, seduced by Frank. Meanwhile, Riff Raff and his sister Magenta torment Rocky. Janet, upset and emotional, sees Brad smoking a cigarette in bed with Frank on a video monitor. She then storms out and discovers Rocky cowering in his birth tank, hiding from his tormentors. While tending to his wounds, Janet seduces Rocky as Magenta and Columbia watch from their bedroom monitor. Dr. Scott, now an investigator of UFOs for the government, arrives at the castle in search of his nephew Eddie, unaware of Brad and Janet's presence. Everyone discovers Janet and Rocky together, enraging Frank. At this point, Magenta sounds the gong to summon everyone to an uncomfortable dinner, which they soon realize has been prepared from Eddie's mutilated remains. Janet runs, screaming into Rocky's arms, provoking Frank to chase her through the halls to the lab. Frank uses his Medusa transducer to turn Dr. Scott, Brad, and Janet, as well as a rebelling Columbia, into nude statues. After dressing them in cabaret costumes, Frank unfreezes them and they perform a live cabaret floor show complete with an RKO tower and a swimming pool with Frank as the leader. Riff Raff and Magenta interrupt the performance to declare mutiny. They disapprove of Frank's extreme lifestyle and are ready to return to Transylvania, the planet that they hail from. Frank makes an impassioned plea to return with them, but Riff Raff kills him, as well as Columbia and Rocky. Riff Raff warns Brad, Janet, and Dr. Scott to leave immediately. The castle, which was a UFO all the while, lifts off into space. The injured survivors are then left crawling in the smog and dirt, and the narrator concludes that the human race is equivalent to insects crawling on the planet's surface. Quote, lost in time and lost in space. And meaning. Now we can't get into the events of the film without talking about the iconic music that makes this film a cult classic. The soundtrack was released in 1975 by Ode Records and produced by English composer Richard Hartley. The album peaked at number 49 on the US Billboard 200 in 1978. It reached number 12 in the Australian Albums Chart and number 11 on the New Zealand Albums Chart. The album is described as the quote, definitive version of the Rocky Horror score. That soundtrack includes science fiction double feature, Damn It Janet, Over at the Frankenstein Place, The Time Warp, Sweet Transvestite, The Sword of Damocles, I Can Make You a Man, Hoppatooty Bless My Soul, Touch a Touch a Touch a Touch Me, Once in a While, which is a deleted scene, Eddie, Planet Schmanet Janet, Planet Hot Dog, Rose Tint My World, Fanfare or Don't Dream It, Be It, Wild and Untamed Thing, I'm Going Home, The Time Warp Reprise, Superheroes, which was only present in the original UK release, and again, Science Fiction Double Feature, The Reprisal. I happen to like the version of Science Fiction Double Feature by Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. Yeah. 
There's no doubt that Rocky Horror Picture Show has influenced popular culture in countless ways. I mean, the film is nearing its 50th anniversary in 2025, and with themes regarding sexuality, gender identity, social constructs, and counterculture, the film has found a home with those who eschew the status quo, if not for an evening at midnight to connect with those who commiserate through an existence that's made fun again, one musical number at a time. Before we jump to the left and take a step right into an awesome interview we have lined up, how about some rapid-fire facts to get this party started? Twentieth Century Fox has never pulled Rocky Horror Picture Show from theatrical release, and it has been shown in cinemas across the world constantly since 1975. Some big celebrities showed interest in being part of the original movie, with Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones who voiced an interest in playing the part of Dr. Frankenfurter. The producer stuck with Tim Curry, the actor who defined the role in both the British and American theatrical productions. Steve Martin also auditioned to play the role of Brad. And an actor that the team really wanted to appear in the movie was the horror movie legend Vincent Price, who actually saw the play on its opening night according to Rocky Horror creator Richard O'Brien. Unfortunately, scheduling conflicts prevented him from accepting, and the role of the narrator went to the actor Charles Gray. As the stage play began casting, Charmin was hoping that his friend, pop star Marianne Faithful, would play Frank and Furter's female counterpart, but Little Nell had already been cast in the production. So Charmin and O'Brien reworked the role into two parts, Magenta and Columbia. When the time came to cast Magenta, Faithful was already off on a tour of India, so Patricia Quinn was cast. Quinn took the role despite having almost no lines, just so she could sing the lead song, Science Fiction Double Feature, which she called, quote, the best song I've ever heard. But when it came time to film the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it was decided that O'Brien should sing the song instead. Quinn wasn't happy, but she did get a small consolation. The iconic lips that sung the song in the opening credits are hers, and were inspired by Man Ray's 1936 painting, The Lovers. Now, you might think that Quinn's lips were also used for the now-instantly-recognizable Rocky Horror promo poster, but in fact, the popular 1970s model Lorelei Shark provided them lips. Peter Hinwood, the actor and underwear model who played Rocky Horror, does not speak or sing his own lines in the movie. The movie makers hired him solely based on his looks. According to the book Rocky Horror from Concept to Cult, his entire musical performance had to be dubbed over by Australian singer Trevor White, while Hinwood mouthed the words to the songs on the set. Director Jim Sharman also wasn't very pleased with Hinwood's speaking voice, so they had White dub his dialogue as well. In an interview in 2000, Hinwood confirmed that he gave up acting to become an antique dealer because he realized that he couldn't act and hated watching himself on screen. Speaking of Rocky, Dr. Frankenfurter's creation doesn't have a belly button. The makeup department created a plug that fit over Peter Hinwood's belly button to hide it from view during filming. It's an important segment of the story since Rocky was created by Dr. Frankenfurter completely from scratch. Thus, this means that Rocky didn't have an umbilical cord and therefore shouldn't have a belly button. I always thought he was a reanimated corpse, but I guess not. Several performers who appeared in the movie also appeared in the Rocky Horror Show on stage, including Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff, Nell Campbell as Columbia, Tim Curry as Frankenfurter, Patricia Quinn as Magenta, and Meatloaf as Eddie, also starring Jonathan Adams as Dr. Scott. While conceiving of the film's overall look, Charmin, Thompson, and company originally decided that the film's opening act should be shot entirely in black and white, and that the first color in the movie should be Frankenfurter's red lips when he appeared on the elevator. The idea was that Brad and Janet were living in a bland world, and that when they met Furter, they would be shown something much more colorful. 
Ultimately, the studio rejected the idea. The initially proposed opening sequence was to contain clips of the various movies mentioned in the lyric science fiction double feature, as well as the first few arrangements shot in black and white, but this was deemed too expensive and thus scrapped. The lyrics of the title track reference science fiction and horror movies from the past and list several movie titles from the 1930s to the 70s, including The Day the Earth Stood Still, Flash Gordon, The Invisible Man, King Kong, It Came From Outer Space, Dr. X, Forbidden Planet, Tarantula, the Day of the Triffids, Curse of the Demon, When Worlds Collide, and The Bride of Frankenstein. Speaking of old films, RKO Pictures, which stands for Radio Keith Orpheum, is an American film production and distribution company referenced in both The Rocky Horror Show and its film adaptation, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. The lyric by RKO is heard during the final verse in the opening song, Science Fiction Double Feature. The musical's working title was They Came From Denton High, this title was changed before previews of the Rocky Horror Show musical began in London. Man, am I glad they changed that. In the opening wedding scene, the minister is Tim Curry, the old man to his left is Richard O'Brien, and the wife to his right is Patricia Quinn, giving off some American Gothic vibes. In fact, Grant Wood's American Gothic is parodied throughout the movie and reflected in items such as the pitchfork ray gun. In reference to the pulp science fiction of the 1950s, you can see a copy of the Weird Fantasy Comic Anthology series on the desk of the narrator. Solid nod. As the film's cult following grew, Tim Curry was living in New York just down the street from the Waverly Theater, so he often witnessed fans going to midnight showings in costume. Intrigued, he called the theater, told them who he was, and asked if he could attend. The theater initially didn't believe him until he actually showed up one night. While fans were delighted by Curry's presence, the theater staff still wasn't convinced, and an usher grabbed him, called him an imposter, and threw him out. Curry then took out his passport to prove he was the real deal, but declined to go back into the theater after the staff apologized. By the way, Tim Curry's advice to future Frankenfurters, quote, never think of it as drag, because it's not. It's just what people wear in Transylvania. So just get over it. Tim Curry modeled Frankenfurter's voice after two women, Queen Elizabeth II and his own mother. Frankenfurter also nearly had a German accent, and in a TV interview, Tim Curry explained that he originally intended to give Frank a typical mad scientist German accent, but eventually ended up mimicking a posh lady he once noticed on the bus to create the character's extremely proper English voice. You can stay in Dr. Frankenfurter's castle in Oakley Court, London. The movie was originally shot at Oakley Court in Windsor, England, and when it was used as the filming location, it had no heat or bathrooms. It was also used for several of the Hammer horror movies, uh, The Brides of Dracula, and Now the Screaming Starts, The Old Dark House, and Murder by Death, to name a few. Oakley Court has been turned into a world-class hotel with 118 bedrooms and 9 mansion suites. Although the property has been renovated, there are still some areas that can be recognized, including the entryway that Brad and Janet stood in front of, the large staircase, and the room where the dinner scene took place. O'Brien did write a direct sequel to Rocky Horror in 1988. The movie was to be called Revenge of the Old Queen, and bootleg copies of the script can be found online, but it now seems unlikely that the movie will ever be made. In the script, characters directly reference the Rocky Horror Picture Show, revealing that the plot was actually a true story, and aliens from the planet Transsexual in the galaxy Transylvania are actually walking among normal humans on Earth. I'd like to thank my sources for these facts, including imdb.com, nofilmschool.com, nerdypop.com, grindhousedatabase.com, and of course wikipedia.com, because if it's on wikipedia, it must have been placed there by aliens. 
we have an extra special interview coming up here because not only do we have the fabulous Sagan Genesis joining us, but Arlo Weyerhauser and Michael J. Phelps got in on the conversation as well. We got to talking about science fiction, musicals, Rocky Horror Picture Show, comedy, and more over at RF's in Southeast Portland. Check it out. Also, shout out Lori. You're awesome. I skip it. It, it comes makes, up. It makes yeah. you uncomfortable. And you're like, I can't be a you part skip, of this. Take a walk on the wild side. Yeah, I skip it. Mm. There's another one well, yeah, too. Because you can't do. Oh, there's a, there's one other song. It that doesn't I, track in 2022. Yeah, there's another song yes. that I always skip where it's. Uh, I see brother in Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, skip walk on the wild yeah, side and go straight to eyeballs. Oh like, no, absolutely you can't do like. What's another like retro song about like someone where it's just like then he realizes that he's thinking for the transvestite. Lola. Yeah, yeah, I see Lola. Yeah. Yeah. Lola. Yeah. Yeah. Walks like a girl, but talks like, like a man. Ella, Yeah, I skip that one every time. <laughs> Fucking sick bass lick, though. Great bass lick. Yeah, true. but it's not upholding to my community. Right. <laughs> it's not going good. No, it's not. It's not tracking well in time. Oh. What is tracking well in 2022, though, is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Hey. Isn't it because I have notes? We have notes. Those notes are from Sagan Genesis. That is this week's guest comedian. We also have Arlo. Yeah! Arlo, tell me, what is your... Warehouser. Warehouser. I just found out that I'm pronouncing it wrong, so... Okay. Well, now I don't feel... You can't be wrong. Yeah, so that showcase that we did, um, I had... I only yelled Arlo. Yeah. And I did it in a panic because in a panic, I was just like, is it Warehouser? That's right. Or Wirehouser? Yeah. Um, turns yeah. Out it's, it? it turns out it's Wirehouser. Yeah. Okay. But me and my dad had a very much handshake deal on where. Um, yeah. Warehouser. Like Werewolf. That was our funny ha sure. uh, okay. joke. And then, I kind of like that. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then we uncovered um, a letter from his dad from a naval vessel while his dad was dispatched. And my granddad's family had a dog named Wirepuss because it had a little wire puss. Oh, cute. <laughs> and he said in the letter, yeah, you know, like our name. Like Wirehouse. Wirepuss. Gotcha. Okay. So me and my dad were like, <gasps> so, so, so we had no idea. So your Christian name? Yeah. Is oh well, that's different, there. actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I go by Arlo, and now I'm trudging through snow. Okay. <laughs> I'm trudging through brand new nomenclature. That's cool. I'm on Wirehouser. Yeah. Aaron's yeah. out, and I asked my dad. Do you want to go by Weyerhaeuser? He goes, no, that's so many things. Mm-hmm. And I'm so tired. Well, my vote's for Weyerhaeuser. It certainly fits into the Halloween theme of the month. So it is- Werewolf. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay. No, I get it. That's Beowulf's drunken cousin. Maybe that's what he I've met him. No. I know him. <laughs> I'm going by Wirehauser now. Because no. there's nothing I love more than upsetting the people that have to introduce me. Mm. <laughs> there's nothing more than I love than upsetting the people I love. Post- yeah. 
Hosts yeah. love inconsistency. That's what I'm saying. Speaking of hosts, we're also joined here by Michael J. Phelps, host of Father's Favorites and My Father's Place Open Mic every Phelps. Friday at yeah. My Father's Place. My Father's Place. What is up, Come dude? get the funniest. Hey, yes. how's it going, Reese? Get that dosage. It's going great, man. Good to see you. Glad that we're here to talk about Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm so excited. Let's, let's get Same. the particulars out of the way. Sagan, we're going to start with you. What's your Instagram? My Instagram is at Sagan Genesis. Because that name does that. Because my name does that. Yeah, that feels right. Arlo? Arlo CW. Okay. Because I'm still clinging on to, I'm trying to make it cute. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make it reasonable. That's also a great stage name, Arlo CW. Okay, yeah. And I'm still clinging on to the Germanic past, even though that's problematic. Oh, I thought you were just hanging. I've just got a lot to work through. I thought you were hanging on to the CW. Yeah. No, no, no. They have done me no favors. No I don't think they've done anybody any. No, that's what I'm saying, except for that dancing frogs that one time remember that's true hello my honey hello, hello my, my darling hello my honey. we also have M- at mj phelps at mj phelps classic simple simple yeah. classic stuff do you think it is <laughs> just like me <laughs> classic and simple <laughs> Brilliant. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm saying that. I hate I'm, that you're not introducing Hilo. Yeah. Hilo. Puppy. Hilo. Hilo's here as well. My dog. Hilo's a dog. He's already exhausted by us and just laying on the I feel like listeners should know that Hilo is always in blackface. And he does not have a face. Okay. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that we'll he's it up. just okay. sometimes well, a sheep. It's in now. Nothing, nothing yeah. can be done about Thank it. Thank you so on, much. And now that's on now the on the internet forever. Um, yeah, my dog is offensive. <laughs> so, Michael, I've asked you this when we talked about Don't Look Up. Uh-huh. But I'm going to ask Sagan this to start, and then Arlo. How did you get your start in stand-up comedy? My start in comedy is basically my opening bit in comedy where... I did meet someone that was a comedian, that was a well-established comedian, and uh, I work at a brewery. They came in, and we just had a really nice banter, and it was something that I always wanted to do, but I never thought that I had the confidence to do it, and I think I just needed someone to, like, kind of push me over the edge to, like, try it. And um, he was super persistent and like, hey, man, you should try it. And he actually was like, hey, you know, there's this open mic. And there was one night where I was working and I was like, oh, dang it, I missed it. I missed that opportunity. And he was like, don't worry, there's one later. And I was like, ah, shit. Okay. So I ended up, really? Now I have to do it. Yeah. I had like this. (laughs) That's all it took. (laughs) Yeah. I was just, I, I was pushed to do it and you're thing, capable of so much you're so good well the thing, well, that was that was like five six months ago and i luckily the coolest thing about my journey that i will say and i'll pat myself on the back was um he invited another person out to do comedy that night and that person only had 30 seconds of jokes and out. and he was just like Love to see it. and then he was just like all right so this is going to be a seven minute set and i said okay oh no no i said okay yeah. like i because you're capable definitely do it and i did seven minutes and i got laughs and i felt really good about right it and baby. Yeah. running out and then, the gate on seven minutes that is uh yeah but it was like all of a sudden it was just like a like smack the vein like i'm addicted yeah. and then i was like oh looking i love up. that oh yeah I was just like looking up like open mics and stuff, and well, I'm just like super you're definitely super going full yeah. bore. I yeah, mean, like, yeah. You're, you're like in it to win it for oh, sure. Absolutely, Arlo. How did you get started in stand up? Nobody. Okay, listen. <laughs> my 
Okay, listen. All, all, great, all great examples come from, okay, wait, listen. Okay, listen, um, I had no business starting. I didn't want to do comedy at all. I was going to a grief therapist because my little sister had just passed away. I lost my little sister to suicide. And I was going to see a specialized grief therapist in Oakland because I lived in San Francisco at the time. And she said, out the top of her fucking head, hey, have you ever thought about stand-up? And I said, no, could you focus? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. No, I have never. And it would mean a lot if you could please... Focus. Thank you. On the session. On what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, this, yeah, this uh, therapy session is funny. Yeah, so I would be just like weeping, crying, and she's like, yeah, but you're kind of funny. (laughs) Have you thought about booking shows? Yeah, have you ever thought about um, spreading this around? And I was like, no, I literally never have, because it hurts my soul. (laughs) It hurts a lot that's entertaining to you. A lot of comedians are like, the stage is therapy for me. And your therapist was like, why don't you try the stage? Yeah, have you ever tried going up in front of other people? Um, and I was like, no, I come here f- for you, bitch. Um, <laughs> we had a, I don't know, like a handshake deal of like, okay, I'm going to go try my goddamn best and you're going to try your goddamn best to be a better therapist. <laughs> <laughs> so I moved to Portland and... Where therapists are grown. Yes, they are, they where, are, they are grown and here. also queer. Yeah, that's, that's true, yes. <laughs> I went to the motherland. <laughs> I moved in with a Guga friend of mine in his basement who lived with another Guga friend of mine. And I practice on them three-minute bits hairbrush for, like, a month and a half. Hairbrush is sometimes Hairbrush sets. Yeah. Listen, do you think this is funny? No? Okay. I'll, I'll rewrite it. I'll figure it out. I'll fix it. And then after a couple months, I went up and did my first open mic. I made them come. And then Was I had a girlfriend. Was that part of the mic? No, no, they hated that I made that I had people. (laughs) I brought my girlfriend at the time, and then I also. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, Oh, you're gonna have it from what? Do you know chicken? You know, this is Lori. Your tail wants to wag. Yeah, but there's no tail there, but there's a wiggle. I go, no tail. That's freaking me out. This is uh, Hilo. He's the nuts. Hilo. Hilo Lamori. Can I give Hilo a French fry? Oh, please. Absolutely. I think Hilo's listening. Do you want to check the temperature on him? Yeah. Do you want to put him on your wrist to make sure that they're not going to burn? That's true. They are rather... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you should get healthy for the puppy. Also, I think it's a really good shout-out to give a shout-out to RFs. We're at RFs. We're at RFs. Which is the greatest bar, basically. It's wonderful. The bartender is Lori. She's so... She's so wonderful and compassionate and caring and the most amazing. And also the food here is very good. Yeah. And also everything else here is very good. Amazing patio. I'm stoked on these now communal chicken strips. Chicken strips. So, yeah, fries, chicken strips, they're communal. Is this still a little hot? Yeah, touch your wrist, like Lori said. He's fine. Okay. Okay. Sit. He'll um, shake too. He will shake. Michael Sit. taught him how I to taught shake. Him that. Yeah, I taught him that. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> shake. Paul? Good job. Good job, Hilo. Good boy. Hilo. God, I am such a good teacher. He said I gotta succumb to you. Yeah. No, no, no. Good job, Hilo. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. I moved to Portland, and I started when I was 30, and nobody starts comedy when they're 30, except for me and very interesting people. You know what, Arlo? <laughs> I you started did. comedy when I was 30. <laughs> I started comedy when I was 30. That's right. Second act, baby. Interesting. Second act. interesting. <laughs> yeah, Boba. It's second act because we're not going to live past 70. You know, we're 70. Yeah, no, I know. That's a stretch, right? 60, Boba. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. It's very true. Yo. It's second, out of, second act out of two. I know. All I'm trying to do is outlive my folks, which is annoying because they're so healthy. <laughs> oh, God. My parents are so that. healthy, I don't know where they are. Oh, do you want to come with me to my folks? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> my dad lives. Is that a Thanksgiving invite? Yeah, but we don't celebrate that. Oh. We just celebrate cheap flights. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> love, you, a, love a good spirit airlines experiment. <laughs> you can come with me. My dad lives on Maui. And I've never been to Hawaii. Oh, there it is. Is this a thing? Do you want to learn how to surf, kind of? He doesn't do shortboard. He only does longboard. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Because he's an old school boy. And I'm, I'm a, you know, there's a, I got a, a lot of points. I know, we do. I need a longboard. Sagan. Mm-hmm. What is your first exposure to science fiction? I was looking at these questions earlier, I guess. It's kind of a rough question because a lot of people think Star Wars because it's so ubiquitous. No, but I will. Yeah, yeah I, I guess, can see that. I guess Star Wars, I mean, we're of the same age and vein where, like, I remember when I was in elementary school, there was, like, the revamp of, like, the Star Wars movies, where then the Star Wars oh, movies... Oh, yeah, were, you did, remember, baby. Like, yeah, no, was, I like, was so much older. Well, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was back... We're like, I'm only 34. Phantom Menace, Attack of the 40. Clones, Revenge of the Sith, so, like, like, one, two, and three. Well, like, yeah. all of the all of the original Star Wars were, like... Were given this weird reboot. They were given this weird and reboot, and then, like, you could actually see them in theaters again. Yeah. Oh, that was okay, leading up, leading up to the sequels. Yeah. When did you discover Star Trek? Oh, and then I had a weird. I remember when the Star Wait. Trek movies came out, and I had a I weird. Think that's a big. Yeah, I had a weird crush on Data. Oh my god! No, I know. That was, I mean, that was my first gender yeah. fluid crush, where I was just like, "Who's this robot person that I like?" Gender, love? not gender, nothing. Yeah. yeah, but it was just like those are like the big numbers. Yeah, of, like those are like the big names. Yeah, I don't know. I was a Goosebumps kid. Okay, like I was oh, like, oh hell yeah, yeah, oh hell yeah. So there are like other Goosebumps things too. Is a weird mix of fantasy and science fiction absolutely it's a weird you know yeah i would read i would read the books and then i remember like watching some of the episodes and then like the episodes would happen and just kind of like all this was happening on another planet yeah so just kind of like what is the definition of science fiction versus i don't know any sort of like fantasy novel so i get get asked this question a lot actually and the answer for me is this dividing line i think of frankenstein yeah as science fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think of Dracula as fantasy. Fantasy. Oh, yeah. And it's because there isn't that pseudoscience element that is intrinsic to all science fiction. Then so, I will say that my first introduction is watching Young Frankenstein as okay. a child. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, and the funniest. Uh, and the Brooks fun- oh, my yeah. God. Oh, and the funniest. God. What was your oh, first? Oh, so funny. Yeah, so exposure. I mean, you probably talked about it. Sure. My first exposure was A New Hope with Star Wars. Yeah. After that, though, immediately after that was Star Trek: The Next Generation. D and G is my end all be all. It's my wife's favorite Star Trek. That's your. I I just came up with Star Trek trivia night at Growler's Tap Room. 
Uh, of 80 seconds. Shut up! I just, yep, I just hosted it for the first time. It was super fucking awesome. It was good? It was oh. awesome? Every Thursday at 8, the two Joes over at Growlers, they run an awesome Can fucking I show. Can I go? Yeah, shout please. out to, shout out to the Joes oh, at Growlers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so not only do they do the, <laughs> they do the open mic on Wednesdays, but they yeah, do yeah, tap yeah. that showcase on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also yeah, do showcases great, on, on Saturdays, too. Yeah. So they do they do a lot. I will say that... Ben Levy does the mic. After yeah, the showcase on I will give yeah. like a huge shout out to the Growlers Taproom on 82nd to like they are super supportive of like comedy and just like all things creative. Like they're really cool people. Are you ready for people to come and be a fucking ringer on that? Oh, absolutely. I want a hyper nerd so bad. We have there's one ringer who's on the same team every week and they win. Guys, I'm, I'm sick of it. Yeah, I'm sick of it. Can I ask some fucking tough questions? Yeah. You're so, trying to fucking debase them. That's kudos to Martok's artificial eye. Okay. That was the team okay. one. That's hilarious that that's their fucking team name. That's very funny. That's very funny. That's their team name. <laughs> they are that's fantastic. very funny. That's your team name. Oh, I'm going to fucking run them. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to this. Oh, let me in there. <laughs> so I, I have to ask a question in conjunction with what was your first exposure to science fiction? What is your first exposure to musicals? Because Rocky Horror Picture Show is unique in oh, that I love respect. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a good question, Bubba. Yeah, I was, I was definitely like a musical baby where like mm. I grew up with like watching The King and I mm. as like a family. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Cause That's mom, so precious. Well, my mom's an older. That's so uh, precious. Well, my mom. Yeah, uh, but also what's her name who played the and in film version was given the. Oof. I mean, oh, who was the? I mean, in *A King and I*, he was the guy that was also in fucking. No, no, the one, the guy that was in it was also in *Westworld*. Who's that guy? Am I an idiot? But it's just like I grew up in like a very like musical theater family, like, and then my mom is also a mom of four sons, so she was very big into. So actually, to go into that, where it's like science fiction, was my mom was a huge uh, Superman baby, so. If you're thinking of like a super like Superman is science fiction, like the original like old like fucking oh, yeah. Supermans with uh, like the old Christopher Reeves, because I I would consider that to be like science fiction. But like so, my mom was a very like old like TV baby. We're like we were like an AMC family where like we would watch like The King and I. We watched Annie. We watched West Side Story. Like we watched all of that stuff together. Um, we watched Fiddler on the Roof, and so that was, like, a big thing for us. So, like, I remember one time I did, like, some sort of, like, a, like, a trivia where I didn't think that I could, like, survive on, like, on a musical thing. And then I was just, like, I've been a part of all of these, uh, have you done a Little Shop of Horrors, uh, Science Factual? No, but I should. Yeah, invite me on that one, because I fucking grew up on that one. I'm on this one, but invite me on that one. Invite me to that one, because I have... I have things to say, man. It's gonna happen now. It has to. Fucking Slade Miz was my um, audition. But is Lady Miz a musical or an opera? It's a musical. It's a musical. It's a musical. And that was what my 
audition track was forever of like I'm auditioning for a different musical but I have to use Les Mis as my yeah. proof of concept yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I, that's it I auditioned for that musical at yeah. Funhouse oh, and, 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 and did not make it because it's already gone it's already ran well, I, 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 I sang uh, Blue Shadows on the Trail by oh my God. the Saddened oh Cowboy and the Seven Deadly Sins. Oh, my God. And, and, and they didn't pick you up. They didn't pick you up. But the, the dude who was reading the sheet music, he's like, I don't read sheet music. And all of a sudden, he, like, picks it up in eight seconds. I was just, like, super Wait, embarrassed. Like, so oh, I've been practicing for weeks. Wait, and you just wanna... But you also kind of do. I don't read sheet music. And I'm just like. I did hit my shit, but there were further qualified. You... Wind. I'm sure. I'm sure you killed I'm sure you killed them. So, furthering that question of exposure to musicals, what was your first exposure to Rocky Horror Picture Show? I've only watched it one time, and it was at a Halloween party in oh, high school. That's so okay. fresh. Uh, uh, high school party move. Yeah, and I don't remember much of it because I was more focused on the fact that I was uncomfortable wearing pleather pants. Did they do a de-virginizing at this, or was it was there like a thing there? Because no, has... I feel like he never. Okay. <laughs> have you been Have you been de-virginized? No, I've never yeah, really. Yeah, I watched. feel like he's never. I've never done the. Yeah, I'm a virgin. I've never had sex. <laughs> I hope it's fun. <laughs> I hope it's nice. I hope it's amazing. I'm really looking forward to it Sounds... once I get married. Can I tell you mine? Uh-huh. Oh my god! Uh, I started working community theater when I was a very young, little tiny pup. My dad said, it's wild that you don't like anything in high school or anything in your entire community. Fair. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive you to the community theater, and you're going to be in part of community theater. So I got um, picked up by a director who, who was meaner than sin to me. She was so goddamn mean. And she would say to me, or as my mom says, meaner than cat shit. Oh, meaner than cat shit. Meaner than cat shit. I never got to work Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror existed while I was existing as like a secondary, tertiary person. And my director would say stuff like, make sure you mean it, warehouser. Like, she would be so goddamn mean. She was so fucking mean. That's so I was in charge. Yeah, I was in charge of like state management and like stuff in charge of shows that had nothing to do with Rocky Horror, but Rocky Horror was going on. You understand? I do. So our shows that that were happening were like maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that show where you're like canary in the full line? Death of a Salesman. Oh, definitely. Oh, we did that. Oh, we did that. Oh, we did that. Oh, that's an amazing play. Coal miner's daughter. So it sounds like we know what we're talking about. Coal miner's daughter. We did coal miner's fucking daughter. We did fucking coal miner's daughter. Coal miner's daughter. Yeah. Oh, coal miner's daughter. Yeah. Tammy, why not? Tammy, why not? I was in charge of coal miner's daughter. Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. That's the that's the movie version. Yeah, yeah. But she's not dead. I would like to say for the viewers, Sissy Spacek is not dead. She's just a real space. I was put in charge of the lights of Coleman's genre. Okay. And what was happening 
was hair, hair the musical hair. Yes. And that's how I saw the first wiener of my entire life. <laughs> Because it was... Sixty Spacek was there? No. No. Because it was... Um, was it John Traub? No. Okay. It was just a man in community theater. In community theater. Yes. And I saw a man with his cool wiener. And I had to be like, oh, oh no. I just saw a whole dick. That is not for me. <laughs> and I'm very gay. You know what I mean? Got nothing I to do with that. I don't know shit about myself yet. But I'm pretty sure very gay. Yeah, where did you see your first wiener? Singing. <laughs> Singing, what's your first exposure to Rocky Horror Picture? Uh, yesterday when I realized that I had to do this podcast and I had oh, to watch okay. it. No, so um, I love you, I respect you, Reese, and you asked me to do this podcast. And I was thinking about... Um, Thank you. Oh, I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking about like my exposure. And I remember it was all of the cool theater kids in my high school. That would always go to like the midnight showing of Rocky yeah. Horror Picture. And I was just like, I grew up in like a family where like I wasn't allowed to like do stuff past like midnight so I couldn't do yeah. anything. I remember like people were always like dressing like cool and like corsets, like short shorts, like fucking fishnets. Yeah. And they would go to like all these shows. And I was like, that's a fucking cool way to do theater. Like, that's amazing. That's awesome. And I like was familiar with the songs, but I never like seen it before. And I'd seen so many like clips of it. But I had never seen the full production. Isn't that weird? So, like, I just, like, had seen so much of it. And I'd seen so much of, like, the film. But yesterday was the first time that I watched, like, the full production of the film. And it was just bananas to me. Like, the plot is that it's fucked. The plot is so weird. Yeah. And it was it's just, like... It's not that weird if you're on the team. No, but it's, but it's so weird to the people in the house. No, but it's so weird. It's not that crazy. No, but that, it's weird if you come to this house. If you're Brad or babes, Janet. Babes, but they're it like it is weird. It is it is still bananas weird because I watched it yesterday with like fresh eyes as like a thirty four year old and I'm watching it and I'm just kind of like that's sexual assault and then you're just kind of like is that satire because you're yes, kind of like are you trying to also you're out? not stop no it's like shut up <laughs> it was like one of those things where I was like trying to figure out I was just like oh yeah because like Brad and Jan were definitely like sexually assaulted but like, yeah it was like it was such a like satirical thing too where it's just like oh we're periodical people that just we're in love and we want to have like and just like you are watching the rocky horror picture show and you are hoping for a cohesive storyline you are wrong yes 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 you get to the point where you are hoping for like oh man i was hoping this i was hoping this be like tied up in like a beautiful little like ribbon and bow yeah we're not doing that there's zero foreshadowing no and then, like, I had I had to do so much, like, Wikipedia, like, Googling afterwards. I was just like, why do they fucking kill Meatloaf? Like, what happened? And they're just kind of like, oh, they this They have is- to kill him. Yeah, yeah, we're just like, oh, this is the subtext that you didn't understand. And no, like, it's fucking really fucked No, I had no idea why they killed Eddie. I had no idea. There isn't a lot that's, like, given in the musical that you just have to, like, figure out afterwards. So, like, I uh, literally, I work at a brewery. I, I played Rocky Horror on repeat 12 times in a row today just trying to, like, that. figure something out. And I was just, like, watching that it. And I was just like, I don't understand. You were so, second, you were so close. It takes 13 times. Oh, that's what it Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's that's what it is. yeah actually. I'm so that's, close. Yeah. No, it does. So a lot of people think of Rocky Horror Picture Show as fantasy, 
but it's definitely science fiction. You see, like, this weird, kooky mansion and a lot of, like, ghoulish vibes. But it's At the end of the day, like, yeah, they're, they're reanimating a corpse. Dr. Frankenfurter is a friggin' alien. I, uh... Um, I have to see this movie. Is that an admission? I mean, I watched, like I said, I watched it at a uh, uh, high oh, school. No, we're wait, gonna have to divergence him. Wait, yeah, wait, for this this oh, divergence, I don't even know what this means. You'll find out. Am I gonna get to have sex? In a sense. All right. In a sense. <laughs> Let's just say you won't be the same afterward. Is Tim Curry it's gonna suck my dick? If you're not into. Yeah, he'll roll up. He'll roll on up. <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's so weird if you don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird on my end of the table, too. What's divergenizing? Diverg- in the context of... When you, when you go to see Rocky Horror Picture Show live, like, I'm going to at the Clinton Street Theater. They have oh, the my Cl- gosh. Yeah, no, we have to tell them. They have no, the, we have to tell them. They have the Clinton Street Cabaret there for this particular showing on the 15th. On the and Saturday. when... You go. Parts of the show happen, you get divergenized, and also parts of the show happen. Live no. action. Now, yeah. what's so the, de- the, what is yeah. De- yeah. being divergenized? The divergenization. Uh, so they... the, the actors from the show they they gather around the group of virgins. We're trying to explain. And they boink them all together. Yeah. Okay, that so sounds fun. Yes, it is. There's a lot of friction. That's this involved. Saturday. That's, that's this Saturday at the Clinton Street Theater. That's right. We're the, trying to explain how much. Starts at midnight. Deverginizing. Feels okay. Like it's a midnight showing mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. Clinton Street Cabaret. Okay. So definitely go and check that out. Or otherwise, you can find them online by searching the Clinton Street Theater. They have all of their showings. They are a Portland staple for sure. Yeah. So, but also you can go and be a just a participant. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to get. De- yeah. You can go and just participate without being divergenized. Yeah. But it, but it is fun. Yeah. If you stay the you're a virgin, then no. Boy, I would love to be a virgin again. Well, now well, you will be. Well, I mean, you will be. <laughs> take that back? This will be a part what a of weird... it. No, absolutely, you will be a part of it. Also, I looked up more. That's like, the final. Um, well, more facts about it too. Uh, Riff Raff, like the main like guy with like the hunchback. Sure. Yeah. He's, sure. He's the one that wrote the musical. Yes. He wrote the entire musical. But also, at the end, well, like after watching it, I don't understand the confusion because it's obviously like aliens that were like well because Frank and Turner were trying to take over the world. And so he were called on it, and that's also why you get the like ballad song yeah. of. So I think like. Always like, me, yeah. Which well, is my favorite song of all time. I, I will say, actually, so all things considered, so it's just and like, then they say, it's like, so it's, you have to go back on your fucking spaceship. You can't but live here. When you think you about, have to go back. When you think about the idea of, like, what the movie is, and what the movie is, is it's these aliens that are infiltrating the, the planet. Yeah. And um, they are doing it in an insidious way by, like, you know, planting themselves and, like, sort of preying on people that are at this wedding. That's very, like, quote-unquote wholesome wedding. And then they prey on these people and then pull, the, yeah. pull them towards this castle. Yeah. Castle, fantastical, whatever. So they, like, pull them towards so this castle. That. But then... I think the only thing that is fantastical could be considered like 
people are like so much of the movie movie is like uh talking about the fantastical nature of like human nature which is like lust and and all the people in his lust and queer identity and uh and and, like gender well just like and then like gender fluidity and the sort of like this sort of but it's certainly uh, important this, in this, that respect. Yeah, yeah. Where it's, it, it's important in the respect of, like, there's this fantastical world where it's just like, yes, there are aliens that are a part of this, but we are... I mean, this movie took place in the 1970s, where it was just like, it was such an avant-garde film, where it's just like, you're building a, an ideal uh, community of just like lusting and like having this sort of like fantastical like you can lust for whoever you want and you can sleep with whoever you want and you can have it so like that's the fantasy part of it that I think is true to that culture and time so I think we're viewing it from 2020 like for me just seeing this movie viewing it from 2022 eyes I view it as being a very science fiction movie is just kind of like Oh, I'm Frank Furter, this transsexual from trans trans Transylvania. Trans, Transylvania. Transylvania. Yeah. That's just like uh, showing that. up and then just sort of creating this like little mini like sex colony and world. Like that's more science fiction than like back then. It was way more of a fantasy of like this could be a potential like life that I couldn't be a part of. But that's yeah. but that's the thing. Right. Yeah. Well, so that's no, the thing. Yeah. He gets beaten down and gets told, mm-hmm. you can't be a part of this. We're taking control of your fucking, your whole shit. Because you can't, you can't be in charge of it. But he was so fanatical, or they were so fanatical. And that's also they where... They killed me, Yes. They killed me. Yes. And like when you're watching the film and you're realizing like he's like killing people that uh, don't fit into his secular norm. Meatloaf didn't fall in love with him, so he took half of Meatloaf's brain and created this new, like, this new version of a person that would fall in love with him, which is Rocky, which is so fucking sci-fi. I, I love the juxtaposition of the counterculture because I think that's the main message. You know, you're, you're talking about how the fantasy is this realm that they're living in where everything is relatively fluid and open and, and just like kind of accepted. Whereas in the mid 70s, even though this counterculture existed and was relatively well defined, it was still eschewed by the status quo. Yeah. So to have this, you know, entity that is rocky work going on at the time. What would you think we were doing? Some fucked up shit. No, yes, we were doing some fucked up shit, and also like gender normative promiscuity was okay. But like, if you're really thinking about it, it's just like queer culture was never like defined as being like that's awesome and okay. But like, there was like there were clear sex scenes, like clear like queer sex scenes, like in the film. And it's just like, that was cutting edge. Like, that was very cutting well, yes. edge. Brad's acceptance of the situation yes. was the taboo, yes. I think. Was addressing the taboo of... Was being but the can kid. I say yes. that both of, like, the scenes with Janet and the scenes with Brad were so insidious and creepy because yes. it was just like, the entire thing was just like, he was guised as someone else and then showed up and it was yeah. just like him and then it's just like yeah Yeah. where it's just like you want it that were it it. yeah and it's just like 
if anyone now in this day and age were to just throw on a wig and say like yeah you want it then it's like you're not who i thought you were and no like the whole just kind of like if you just keep pushing they'll say yes sort of a thing like that's so fucking creepy we all know that 50 knows and a yes is still a yes oh god and uh <laughs> tim curry makes a very he yes. makes a very convincing susan sarandon yep you know what i have to say though is i was talking to someone earlier today and they were just like I love Rocky Horror because it's one of my favorite Halloween comedies. And I was like, go on. Uh-huh. And they were like, it is a comedy. I think it is a comedy. I think it's absolutely a com- comedy and it's a commentary on what it was. Because if you really watch it and you really watch how intellectual the film is, because like there's a whole scene where it's like, Chad, Janet, Brad. Dr. Scott, like everyone just like over and over again for like a minute straight. It's just like you're trying to make a joke. Yeah, that motif is visited upon multiple times in other pop culture references. So, all right, rapid fire question. Sagan, who's your favorite character? Ooh, my favorite character? Yes. My favorite character was just Tim Curry's character as Dr. Yeah. Frankfurter. Yeah. The one that I identify most with, though, is Eddie. Yeah. You identify with Eddie? Yeah, I okay. feel like I would just be a party animal that'd be murdered right away. Oh, absolutely. Eddie is my favorite character of all time. And you kind also, of have a little bit of an Eddie quaff going oh, on right I know. now. Yeah. Oh, I know what my hair does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Eddie's my one and only... I feel like I would show up when the party started and be murdered. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm just like... <laughs> and yeah. Eddie showed up in the middle of the fucking party being like, she was I'm like, not going to fucking she was take like, this. Yeah. A late arrival yeah. with half of his brain missing. Yeah. yeah that's, that's my boy. That's Port, my boy. Poor Columbia. Columbia is the best yeah. fucking bitch of yeah. all time. That's a that's a ride or die for sure. Um, Arlo, we we know your favorite musical number. Yeah. That's it's all over. That's when yeah. that's when Frankenfurter's <laughs> at the edge of the stage throwing yep. cards. Yeah. Very somber scene. Saying, oh, look, it's so beautiful. It is a beautiful scene. Yeah, it's for sure. And it is the ultimate climax of the movie but yeah sagan what's your favorite musical number <laughs> let's do the time warp let's again. do the time warp baby i mean that's that's like what i like before i even watched the film like that's the song that was stuck in my head yeah. because it was played constantly for you know like different like halloween parties and stuff oh, yeah. like it was just like it's up there with the monster match yeah, like in, like in, in a yeah. halloween playlist that's it i yeah. think it's up there for sure yeah, yeah. for sure can I just share something with all of you that I experienced when I was inside? I, would I went love and got a, sex, I went yeah. and got a drink, and uh, for the listeners, there's a, a guy playing saxophone inside wow. and doing like just crushing people. it on saxophone. And while I was getting a drink, some people it, it's an empty bar. No one is listening to the sax man. And well, the, and during a song break. Uh, some people got up and set up a pool table, and the guy playing the saxophone just said under his breath as I was walking by, Oh, they're playing pool? This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> That's amazing. That's let, amazing. Let me, let me give a shout out to this sax man. I'm going to, after this interview segment, I'm definitely going to give the social media or at least some sort of way that you can see this fella because he's at Saturday Market. Oh, yeah. And he's, I, I, there were the, G, there. the Jesus folks were out. The he's last got time a I was QR at code. He's got a okay. name and everything. Right. I wish I knew what it was, but I don't. I'm going to hit that QR code up on the way out. But if you find yourself at Saturday Market, you go to NATO Parkway. Yeah. 
And it, listen it, to it, this this gentleman play saxophone yeah. because he crushes. Whenever the Jesus folks are out, he does an extra special he performance. He does the best. He's one of my favorite people. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Uh, can we get a collective Hail Satan? Hail Satan. <laughs> All right. Satan, not Satan. Although still one of my favorite people. What is coming up in your comedy schedule? I have um, a beautiful show that's coming up in October. Yeah, you do. Um, and Arlo is going to be the headliner comic for the show that I'm doing. Oh, I'm yeah. doing... Uh, yes, I'm doing uh, Roy G. Biv. Oh, such a great it's show. Where is it? It is at Crush Bar. And what time is it, Arlo? I'm going to find out right now. Roy G. Bib, October 22nd. I don't know. It's possible. <laughs> I, I think it starts around 8 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Between the show. 8 p.m. Doors at 7.30. Show starts at 8. I'm going to go with that because I that is the constant. That is <laughs> All right. It's um, the host is amazing. Uh, Delaney is hosting the show. It's going to be a beautiful show. Shout out Delaney Malone. Super funny. Very funny. Yeah. We're going to have a wonderful time. It's going to be great. I hope a lot of people come. Awesome. Arlo, where can we hear you deliver the ha-has? Orgy oh, Biff. <laughs> um, I'm also... Listen. Mm-hmm. I'm also working really hard on getting an album together. Fuck yeah. Yeah, thanks, bud. Yes. Thanks, bud. Thanks for your support. I'm trying to be supported and have an album together, and it's going to come together um, at the beginning of 2023. It's the best, and I'm doing my goddamn best. So I will be recording an album soon. Very awesome. Well, we, look, we look forward to that. We can find out about that on Instagram yep. and on the YouTube machine. Arlo CW. Arlo CW. Hey, y'all, thanks so much for joining me and talking about Rocky Horror Picture Show. I love each and every one of you. Michael, watch this movie. Yep, yeah, I'll try. I'll make an effort. This is empty. Yeah, that's true. We need more fries. We're going to go handle that. Yeah, we have to figure that out. <laughs> That sure was one hell of an interview. Make sure you follow Sagan and Arlo on their socials to check out what they have coming up next on the Grand Cosmic Comedy Schedule so you can go laugh your faces off with them. Since Rocky Horror Picture Show is such a unique story with no real scientific backing to speak of, I'll be foregoing a water cooler facts segment because, let's be honest, trying to make sense of something like the Medusa Transducer is an effort in futility. Although, there have been advancements in using various methods to rapidly induce state changes from solids to liquids, and sometimes acting as both depending on environment and other factors such as impact or directed stimuli. There's nothing out there quite yet that turns people into statues and then somehow reanimates them wearing lingerie. Alright y'all, these next two updates are big ones. Next week's Science Factual is going to be recording live at 4th Wall PDX as part of the Dark Arts Festival, which is hosted by the very awesome Michael Garcia and Emma Pace Jonas. We'll be taking a dive into my favorite space horror film, Event Horizon, with guest comedian Billy Chambers on the panel with Michael and yours truly. That takes place Sunday, October 23rd from 4 to 5 p.m. at 4th Wall PDX, located at 1445 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, in Portland, Oregon. The episode itself will air on the 25th from 8 to 9 a.m. on Shady Pines Radio and simulposted on Spotify. 
Make sure you visit fftheshow.com forward slash Dark Arts Fest 2022 for info on the acts and locations taking place during the festival from the 21st through the 23rd. Oh, and uh, he'll see him, y'all. The other big update is that you should definitely go to the Spooky Pines Radio Graveyard Get Down, taking place on Saturday, October 29th from 7.30 to midnight at the Factor Building. That's 226 Southeast Madison in Portland, Oregon, for great fun, food, beer, games, music, and more. Also, download the Shady Pines Radio app for amazing content 25 hours a day, 8 days a week. Speaking of Shady Pines Radio... You can also catch a great episode on Gremlins rounding off Spooky Month with guest comedian Seth Allen. That episode drops Halloween on Spotify, that's October 31st of course, but will air November 1st from 8 to 9 a.m. on Shady Pines. Before we head on out of here, how's about a set from Sagan at the Chill and Phil Comedy Showcase, which takes place every Thursday at 8 p.m. at the Chill and Phil Bar in North Portland. Cheers. I am genuinely not concerned who's sleeping with who in this room. So, start off that way. Um, hey, how is everyone? Is everyone having a good night? Woo! Yeah! You guys so long to be here. Thank you for spending it for us. Uh, it's awesome. Um, I'm Sagan Genesis. I've been doing comedy pretty new. I've only been doing comedy for about six months. Um, and I started doing comedy. I'm a part-time uh, bartender. And uh, there was this person that came in, and we were just kind of like talking with each other, and we were ripping off of each other. And uh, he told me that he was a comic, and he said, you know, you're really funny. You should try doing some stand-up comedy. And I was really excited about it. So I told my boyfriend that someone said that I was funny, and I was excited about it, and he said, you're not that funny. <laughs> and anyone uh, that would say that was just trying to fuck me. <laughs> I read that text, and I couldn't believe that someone would, that I was with for five years would say something so hurtful. So, I mean, I quickly put on my clothes and I left that comedian's house. Uh, <laughs> then went uh, straight home and I, I'm single now. If anyone's here, I was hoping that would be an applause break and wow, she's single right now. So I'm single right now and I'm doing that thing where, like, I don't know if you guys have been in a relationship for a long period of time, but it's almost like you have to do that, like, body inventory afterwards. Um, so I did that like body inventory thing where it's just kind of like, I'll do it for the men in the audience too, I'm mostly dating men right now, so like for the men in the audience, I've been calling it uh, my blue book value, um, <laughs> which like, it sounds like I'm like woman-splaining, but like that doesn't hit hard, so I would really call it more being like cunt-descending. <laughs> So I'm, I'm a 1988 model. Um, I have all original parts. Uh, I have some hail damage on the rear. Uh, so I might need some body work uh, soon. And um, the older I get, the more I benefit from kind of like a mixed synthetic oil to get things going. <laughs> it's funny too, so like when I started dating, I was like, oh man, COVID really prepped me for dating because Taking a COVID test is just like taking a big dick. Uh, <laughs> bear with me. So, 
That's what they say too, right before they put it in. <laughs> but you know, when you take a COVID test, it um, it's the same verbiage where it's just it's going to go in um, higher than you anticipate. Um, you're going to leave it in there longer than you want, um, and your eyes are going to water. Um, and most of the results are really going to be negative. <laughs> um, so, and thinking about that too, so then I just had to say too that I'm not a size queen at all, like nothing about me is really a size queen. Um, I prefer a cat nose, and when I say cat nose, I mean just like that little nub where like the ball is a muzzle, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I started saying that, I stopped saying that joke for a while because I realized the more I was talking about how I like small dicks, the more uh, male comedians were hitting on me. <laughs> um, and just so you know, you are seen, you are heard, you have space in my vagina, it's kind of pink. Yeah, so, but I've really been navigating most of my life as being a bisexual woman. Like, everything I've done for my whole life is like, again, I thought there'd be like a Portland applause break or something like that. Exactly. I know, so this, um, so I've gone through my whole life being a bisexual woman, but I realized from my last relationship, most of my life I've been like kind of padding my uh, dating resume up, where like when I was younger, like, you know when you're applying for a job and you're like, I know how to use Microsoft Excel, but you super don't. That was me in the clitoris. So there is no woman that I've ever dated that would ever give me a positive review. Like, I'm never going to write, like, Cedar down as a reference. Like, he's going to be like, yeah, she spent forever on my taint shit. Don't fucking idea what she was doing. Basically, what's going to say. Uh, and also, like, you know, queer women are, like, always just like, man, you're not gay. Like, really? You're bisexual? And they three eye to Franco CDs. You know, like, have you just been the little affair? And the answer is no. So I have a much stronger resume right now, where it's mostly with men. I'd like to list off some of my skills that I've acquired, where it exceeds expectations with an uncircumcised penis, uh, sincere efforts in dirty talk, uh, proficient in shoulder tapping when you're really done having moral sex, uh, displays general enthusiasm for sex, even when frequently denied. Uh, tasked with uh, anal on a yearly basis, and that's subjective, really. That's not, that's not super clear. Um, and then spearheaded a movement to just flip over and finish doggy style to avoid eye contact with a partner you know no longer love. Just like easy stuff. <laughs> like easy breezy stuff. But, um, no, but then, uh, so then if we're talking about that analogy, I was recently hired. Um, and it's so funny because I didn't even apply for the job. I just got it through word of mouth, which, wow, what a Portland thing to do. Portland nepotism at its best. I feel like this Portland nepotism. Like I, like I moved to Portland seven years ago. I have a master's degree in finance. Um, I had five years of teaching experience. Ask me what I do. I'm a teacher, but I had to know someone, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know what I mean? I'm doing what I love, but I really had to know someone. Um, yeah, so I moved to Portland seven years ago. And when I first moved to Portland, it was really interesting because I thought, oh, hey! Uh, when I first moved to 
one, it was really interesting because I thought that I had uh, horrible allergies um, because my eyes would always well up and my nose would drain constantly. Um, and I thought it was cottonwood. When I first moved in, I thought it was, I thought it was cottonwood and I was just like dead set on that. Um, it turns out that it's just baristas that are mean to me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, who knew it was such an inconvenience to order a black drip coffee from an establishment that sells coffee? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's funny, um, you know, being from the Midwest, like my like second, my middle name is politeness, like that's just it. I was born in Minnesota, and then I grew up in Indiana, and it's so interesting to me because like, I have friends that go and visit Minnesota, and when they visit Minnesota, I'm like, oh man, I have to pull out all my Midwestern niceness, and I have to like, ask my family, like, what is, what is the thing you can't miss when you're in Minnesota? And my sister-in-law messaged me, Juicy Lucy. What the fuck's a Juicy Lucy? She's like, well, it's a burger that's stuffed with cheese, and cheese and vegetable, or just vegetables. And I was like, that's what Minnesota has to offer? <laughs> just as a basic inconvenience for me, I was trying to get home last month, and I was stopped by a red light six times over because 300 fucking people driving, riding nude on their bicycles yep. were just riding through, cruising on through with their little fucking cat noses. Laughing over the saddle, juicy hoosing all over And that's just normal life. That's what I have to warn people whenever they come into town. So that's like, that's just normal life. But so then living in Portland, um, it's like I finally feel like a Portlander. I just became a Portlander twice over recently. Um, and that was, I went to my car to get a coffee mug because I make coffee at home now. And I wanted to go open up my door. And when I opened up my door, I saw that I had two of my windows smashed out. Which makes you a true Portlander through and through. So that happened, and I was kind of devastated, and I just moved recently, so I did have some stuff sort of like scattered around all over the place, and um, they didn't take anything, so I knew I was a junkie, like they rifled through like my packs of cigarettes, and that was really all they did, um, except the one thing that really upset me, and that was they went through my dog's ashes. And I think that I am single-handedly responsible for the new addiction on the street, because there's no way this person didn't. Oh. Yeah, that tastes like unconditional love right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's got to be a dog, too. There's no way that's not, not her dad. I don't taste the disappointment inside of her. So if you hear anyone on the street just asking for Fido or saying, like, oh, man, I got to get some of that good boy. Just um, <laughs> so me. Thank you guys so much for listening Folks, this is Michael Phelps, host of Father's Favorites and the Comedy Open Mic at my father's place, conveniently located at 523 Southeast Grand Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Mic sign-ups are Fridays at 8.30 p.m. Come on by for some awesome breakfast food, great drinks, and the best comedians Portland and the Pacific Northwest has to offer. In the meantime, make sure you follow Science Factual on the socials. That's at Science Factual Pod, as well as Shady Pines Radio for amazing content 24 hours a day, 8 days a week. Download the app today wherever you procure your apps.
On the day I went away. Was all I had to say. I want to come again and stay. Smile, and that will mean I'm there. 'Cause I've seen. Been the same. Like I'm outside in the rain. Free to try and find the game. Cards for sorrow. Cards for pain. Ah.